0: This event was recorded live at the 2015 Edinburgh International Book Festival. It, it, it says cheered, but I won't, be, I won't be up here, don't worry, I'm not the funny one. Um, my name's Alan Morrison and all I'm here for is to say welcome on behalf of the Edinburgh International Book Festival to tonight's lovely sunny day at the Bailey Gifford uh, tent and this event is sponsored by The List magazine so thank you to them um, I've just got some of the boring things to say at the beginning. It's okay to tweet during the show if you want and try and do it a wee bit discreetly so that it doesn't uh, annoy your neighbours but can you make sure that your phones are on silent if you, if you are using them um, There will be plenty of time after after Lummi's read some bits from the book, there'll be plenty of time for some questions from the audience as well. Uh, we have microphones, so if you do want to ask a question, can you put your hand up and let me point to you, can you wait till the microphone comes to you before you speak so that everybody else can actually can actually hear it? There'll then be a signing afterwards. Now if you came in here, you might have noticed that right next to here uh, is the signing area beside the bar, so you'll be there for a while after the, after the event here to, to sign books as well. There are bars, do hang around, even if it is a rainy night, don't worry. Uh, everything's under the roofs, and we would love you to just enjoy this Edinburgh International Book Festival event. So uh, without further ado, I think I should say, over to the man himself. Now, comedian, TV star, internet star, and author, Lemmy.
1: Hello,
2: everybody. All right. Hello. Fucking magic. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thank you very much. Hello. Hello, everybody. My name's Lemmy. And welcome to my daft story. Now, I know what you are maybe thinking, I know what some of you are be thinking, right, what the fuck is this? <laughs> a book reading? If you're like me, you've never been to a book reading before, you may be wondering, right, what the fuck is this? Is he, is he, really, is he really just reading for a book? <laughs> is he just going to be reading for a book, is he? Aye. <laughs> no, 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 but it's going to be so much more than that. Heres what I've got lined up for you this evening, folks. Tonight I'm going to be reading you some of the, uh, my favorite stories for the book. I'm going to be telling you some interesting things about each of the stories, sort of things that'll make you go, "That's interesting. <laughs> and then after that, we're going to have a q and A, which means questions and answers, <laughs> which will give you a chance to uh, ask me questions. <laughs> about where I get my zany ideas from. Um, (laughs) Yes or no, yeah. (laughs) And then after that, we'll have a book signing. I'll sign your books, DVD covers, tickets, anything you want. And in case you're wondering, I'll even sign your arse. All right. So he's up for that? Glad to hear it. Thank fuck. But, I know that you only here just because of the book. You're probably here because you like some of my other stuff, like uh, Me show on my vines or something like that, but uh, ach, you, you wouldn't want to hear me do any of that. <laughs> oh, all right <laughs> All right, all right then. That's a bit of a surprise, all right? Well, listen, the night it really is all about the book, but here's what I'll do. How's about, a day? some Lemmy show stuff, some Vine stuff? Just now, just at the beginning here, just to sort of get it out the way, right? Just to sort of get it out our system. You know, that way, uh, you know, maybe they'll be tempted to shout out any of the catchphrases (laughs) while I'm doing the book stuff. (laughs) You know, I don't want to be halfway through reading one of my stories just for one of used to go like,
1: Requiem!
2: I think i kind of put his off a wee bit. why so I hear some of that? Yeah. All right, I see, let me, let me think here. See, you put him on the spot here. <laughs> um, all right, listen to this. Greetings, travellers. My name is Falkenhoof, and I will be your guide on your quest. That's him at the way. Thank you, thanks. Thanks a lot, cheers. Thanks. Here listen. I lose <laughs> three years of my life. <laughs> to heroin. And all five years of methadone program is make it as it That's hot at the way. Thanks a lot, cheers, Thanks, I appreciate it. Here who's us. While we are wall we well, know well, well, what about finishing crying. I've got no business being in Yoker. Mm then ah. and that's him out the way. I know Open the floor up to requests. That accent. That accent. Um, bit dangerous, staying it, in Edinburgh? But, um, it's a Fifer accent, it's not an Edinburgh accent. That accent. Um, uh, oh, i tell you, your, your behaviour last night was shocking, eh? Shocking. OK. Raymond, do you understand this? Eki, I'm coming again, you hen. A wee mega mix on the go here. Now. Just have the ways against us. And how about one mail The plaster. Ah, you're right, Hen, that should have been Sandy Doon. <laughs> I say don't tell the boss, but I'm the boss. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks. Well, I bet I'll get on with reading some stories now, because if I don't, well, some of yous might be asking for a refund, and, uh, oh, fuck that. So you want to hear some Darby stories? All right, let me just get comfortable here. Um, don't listen. Talk amongst yourselves here so you don't hear me fucking uh, drink. Here.
1: <coughs>
2: All right, this first story here is called The Size of Sally. Let the story commence. I should sit here, really, shouldn't I? Let the story commence. There was something up with Sally. She wasn't feeling too well. She felt sluggish and stiff. She felt heavy. That wasn't right. Well, for somebody like her. Somebody who kept herself fit and active. Yet she felt like an old woman. An old woman who smokes 60 a day and eats burgers for breakfast. (laughs) She went to the doctor, and right away he could tell something was up. So much so that when she walked into the room, he sprang out his chair to help her get to her seat. She was in a bad way. When she sat down, he asked her if she'd been getting enough exercise. She said that was near. He asked her if she smoked or liked to drink or whatever. She shook her head. He asked her if she'd been feeling down, if there'd been a bereavement, if she was prone to mood swings. She said it was none of that. It was nothing she could explain. She'd looked at up and the NHS site and forums and everything else. There was just no explanation. There weren't any lumps, there wasn't any pain, the stiffness wasn't in any one place. It was all She was starting to lose her patience. And then she collapsed. The, s- the doctor phoned an ambulance and she was rushed to hospital where they brush her up. <laughs> the doctor phoned an ambulance and she was rushed to hospital where they prodded and poked and did some scans. There appeared to be something wrong with the scanning machine. It was getting some strange results. So they did another round. It was the same thing. That couldn't be right. It couldn't it be? They scanned somebody else. They were fine. Then another. They were fine as well. Then they scanned Sally once more, but there were the strange, strange results yet again. <laughs> Sally's heart monitor started going haywire. They were going to have to operate. The surgeon started with one of her fingers, somewhere inconspicuous, a wee cut at the end of her left thumb. He was reluctant to jump in, he'd fussed with a slice right down her belly, regardless of what the scans said, because the scans defied belief. He just wanted a peek. He pulled the skin apart at the cut and saw that the scans were right. Dear God! He cut open the rest of her fingers, then her arms, then everything. He cut her open like a teddy bear being torn apart at the seams. And revealed what was inside. It was Sally. (laughs) Inside Sally was Sally. Another Sally. It was like the inner Sally had been wearing the outside Sally as some kind of Sally suit. (laughs) But now it was gone. And she woke up feeling refreshed and reinvigorated, back to her old self, albeit a wee bit smaller. <laughs> they peeled away the rest of her skin, got her all cleaned up, and then they asked her what she wanted to be called. Well, she couldn't keep her old name. She was a new person in effect, the computer wouldn't allow it. She liked her name though, so she says, I know, call me Sally too." Sally, too, walked out of the hospital and right back into her life, feeling better than ever, faster, lighter. After a month or two, she began to slow down. But she put that down to her body, just settling in. Then, no long after that, she started to feel even slower, sluggish and stiff, heavy, until she didn't feel too well at all. Then she collapsed. An ambulance was phoned and back to the hospital she came for some air prodding and poking and another few scans. Only this time, there was no hesitation. She was wheeled to the operating theatre as quick as a flash with a surgeon cut off head to toe with one big swish of a knife like she was a box of flat pack furniture. <laughs> and inside Sally too was, you guessed it, Another Sally. Sally. Well done. (laughs) Sally three was smaller again, but identical in every other way. She woke up refreshed and reinvigorated before getting cleaned up, dressed, and walking right out of there feeling even better than before. Two weeks later, she was back and it popped an even smaller Sally. That's the spirit. Sally 4 walked right out of there, before collapsed in a hospital car park. Back she came and out popped Sally. Who collapsed right there on the bed. Sally 6 was fine though, for the best part of a year. But then she died. (laughs) She was taken to the morgue where they cut her open for a post-mortem. Only to find Sally 7. Deed They cut her open, only to find Sally 8 also did. So was Sally 9. But when they cut her open, to their surprise, out popped Sally 10, refreshed and reinvigorated, and all round to go. Or oh, two foot But then she died. Fuck's sake. They decided to bury Sally 10. To put her out the misery of this Russian doll, carry on. To let the woman have some peace, for heaven's sake. Plus it's a nice round number, isn't it? So they put her in a coffin and stuck her in the ground. Some years passed when they mentioned a Sally, one to ten. But after a while, people began to talk. They began to wonder. Sally 10 was dead, aye, but what about Sally 11 or Sally 12? What had they done and what would they find? So out came the shovels and the coffin was dug up. As curious as they were, nobody was in any rush to be the one to open it. The surgeon stepped forward, quite rightly. He leaned down and pulled off the lid, then stood aghast at what was inside. The coffin was full to the brim, with layer upon layer of dried up Sally skin. It was like puff pastry. It looked like all that crumpled paper you get inside a shoebox. Except there were no shoes. And they, Sally. Sally was gone. They cleaned out the coffin carefully, looking for what might be a wee Sally 15, or a tiny Sally 30, or a minuscule Sally 100. They couldn't find her. Not even with a microscope. Not even with the best microscope in the world, mate. <laughs> but she was there. Sally 1000. Higher. Sally, a million? Much higher. Sally, a billion? Even higher than that. And therefore, even smaller. So small that she had slipped between the fibres of the coffin. Then she slipped into the space between the atoms. And then she slipped between space itself. So small that she slipped between hours, minutes, and seconds. She slipped between the smallest definition of a moment. She slipped between time. She was so small
1: <laughs>
2: that she slipped between knowledge, infinitesimally small she slipped between and beyond understanding itself. No. think for a moment about how small that is. Try and wrap your head around something so small. Can you do it? Well, see that size? That sure does cock. Thank you very much. <laughs> I hope that was worth the wait. <laughs> Sorry, by the way. Um, aye, so I told you I was going to tell you some interesting things about each of the stories. What can I tell you about that? Well, I wrote that story one day I was having a bit of a creative block and a writer's block. I was sitting in this cafe and I couldn't come up with any ideas. And I said to myself, right, you've got to write something based on something you see in this cafe. Right, it's got to be something you see and hear because sometimes if you're writing and you've just got this blank screen in front of you, you've just got so many options, you don't really know what to go for. Sometimes it's good to give yourself limitations. Limitations. <laughs> 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 Belter, isn't it? <laughs>
1: Where's
2: it going, He's had enough of this. Was it wasn't you appointed to, was it, with it? Because I don't know anything about your dad. through <laughs> <laughs> um, <I> limit, <laughs> So I was looking about, and there on the, the wall, there was a, a painting, and there were flyers for clubs and bands and that, and behind the, the, the counter was the staff. But up there on the shelf was these Russian dolls. They're all open out, you know, kind of there's a big one, a weird one that goes in that, a weird one that goes in that. And I just, I just started writing, that's what I got the idea for that story. That's what that story's based on. Except that's no entirely true. It's based on your dad's cock. <laughs> Sorry. No, it was really based on the, the Russian dolls. Oh was that. Right, this next story. Here. What's this summer been like? What's this summer been like? Shite, ain't it? Been shite? Well, don't worry about it, because see this next story. It's going to bring a wee bit of the summer in here. It's called Hazy Days of Summer. It was just one of the days. It was one of the crazy, hazy days of summer. Something about that heat just goes straight to your heat, doesn't it? Puts your brain in holiday mode. Makes you think you're a thousand miles away with that care in the world. That's the best way I can put it your brain goes on holiday. It stops working. That wouldn't have been a problem if I actually was on holiday with nothing today. But as it turned out, I did have something today. Well, no something I had today. Anyway, why I was doing something I had today on a beautiful day like that. It was something I wanted today. Two things I wanted today, to be precise. The first thing I wanted today was I wanted to thank the postman what he did. It was nothing really. I'd been waiting for a parcel, recorded delivery, but I really fancied nipping out of the shots for a salero. Hmm. <laughs> it's just one of the things I like getting when the sun's out. I used to do the same thing with a can of but I don't know if you get them
1: anymore.
2: <laughs> anyway, the thing was that if I wasn't in to collect the parcel, well it would get sent back to the depot. as if they walk there and back. Kind of defeats the purpose against something delivered, did not it? Plus, i probably have to search the hoose for my passport to show them at the depot. And by the way, don't tell me you don't need a passport. A mate told me that once, but when I got to the depot, they said I didn't need it and I had to walk all the way back. Turned the house upside down looking for the thing. Going to fucking find it. The last time I took that guy's advice, let me tell you. You get mates like that, don't you? Oh, you're just flying down to London. Oh no, you don't need your passport if you're flying down to London. <laughs> Domestic flights, you don't need your passport. Domestic flight, no. You get there, passport please. Fucking bastard. You? <laughs> you keep your fucking mouth shut. <laughs> anyway, that didn't matter because of what the postman did. And that tear to get her, I just decided to go for it. <laughs> I thought it'd only take a minute. But when I got there, I ended up getting caught up in this conversation with the guy behind the counter when I asked him if he had any lilt. I don't even know if I wanted a can, I was just wondering if they still sold them. He didn't know what it was, so I was trying to describe it to him. It's harder than you think. What does it taste like anyway? Totally tropical. What else? Pineapple and grapefruit. See, I can remember. Anyway, I realised I'd, b- I'd been there for 10 minutes or something, and I thought, fuck. I nearly ran out without paying Then when I tried to pay, I dropped half my cash in the flare, I was out oh, the fucking place. That's what happens when you try to do something too fast sometimes, like try to get your jacket zipped down or untying your laces. You just get in a muddle and it ends up taking you longer. I managed to pay him, then I sprinted out the door. I was 99%, I'm sure I was too late. I thought, well, I'll make a run for it. But I was pretty sure I'd be taking that walk to the depot anyway. But listen to this. Guess what happened? The postman stopped me outside the shop. He had the parcel on him. And he asked me if I just wanted to sign for it right there and then. I think that is... I think that is, I think that is brilliant. I think that is brilliant. Come on. That is brilliant. I think that's the mark of a good postman who's good at his job when he actually recognises the people he delivers to and does things like that. He didn't have to do that. He could have just taken it back to the depot. <laughs> <laughs> it was my fault after all diving there for the salero and going on about fucking Lilt. Before I got the chance to thank him, he was off. But there was no way I was letting that go without getting him a hefty pat in the back. I told myself that when I got up the road, I was going to phone his work to thank him and tell him how much I thought he was doing a cracking job. And fingers crossed that his boss was listening. You know, so he got brownie points and a wee pay rise or whatever. He deserved it. So that was the first thing I wanted to do. (laughs) The other thing I wanted to do that day was I wanted to kill the guy that murdered my da. They said it was an accident. They said it wasn't a murder. But it fucking was. When you show that deg- degree degree, <laughs> see you getting a muddle. When you show that degree of negligence, you prove yourself to have no respect for the safety of another man's life. And to me, that's murder. here's the funny thing. I got mixed up. It's like what I said about it being just one of the days. You see, what was in the parcel was the thing I was going to use to kill Craig Malloy, the guy that murdered my dad. It was a trench knife, a kind of spiked knuckle duster with a knife coming out the side. You can get them online. When I took it out the box, I think I must have got too excited just want to get on with it. It's like what I was saying about trying to do something too fast, you just get in a muddle. A trench knife for Craig Malloy and a parcel for the postman. Parcel, Craig Malloy, trench knife, postman, know what I mean? And if you keep in mind the heat of that day, that heat that just goes straight to your head, it was no wonder what happened. Before I had time to know what I was doing, I chased the postman up a tenement close and stabbed the utter fuck at him on the
1: stairs.
2: (laughs) Can't remember how many times it was a blur. All I remember is him shouting at me saying, that he didn't kill my dad. But I was like, now uh, you would fucking say that. Then I headed back to the house and gave Craig my lawyer a phone. I told him I thought he was cracking, Told him that I thought what he did was considerate and thoughtful and oh my god, I can't even tell the rest, what an embarrassment. I can feel my face going red. But you gotta laugh, man. You've got it? If you don't laugh, you'll greet. I'm shaking my head just thinking about it, but what can I say? It was just one of the days. Thanks. Thanks a lot. That fucking rain. <laughs> He's you hear me all right? all right? Yes, good, thanks. No, right. You want to come up here, whoever that was. Um, I'll, tell, I'll read it to you later, don't worry about it. All right, so that, in that story there, I've got a guy called uh, Craig Malloy, but it was originally Billy Malloy, who just happens to be my cousin. And I say just happens to be because when I wrote it, you know, I didn't mean to type that name, it's just the first name it came into my, he- I name it came into my head. Billy Malloy, I was like, oh, Billy Malloy, that's my cousin, Billy, is it, how would you get here, hello, yourself, Billy? So I thought, well, I'll keep his name in, and if I ever bump into him, well, I'll say, did you see that I stuck in the book, and hopefully he'd like it. But I thought, actually, I'm not that sure, because the thing is with Billy Malloy, I don't actually know him that well, he's one of these cousins I've only bumped into about twice, my whole life, he's about 10 years old. I don't actually know him that well. He could be a right moody bastard for all I know. Like, I, I could bump into him and say, oh, uh, Billy, did you see that I stuck you in the book? And he could be like "Ah, Aye, uh, aye, what you, what, you got me murdering your dad?" <laughs> What's that all about? What's the matter with you? Now, you get moody bastards like that. I'm not saying he is. I don't know. But it didn't matter because about a month later, I bumped into Craig Malloy, who is my other cousin, it might even be Billy's son, and he's a younger sort of happier guy. I'm not saying Billy isn't happy, I don't know. <laughs> but I said to him, I told him the story, I says, I've got Billy Malloy in the book, um, I'm not sure if I should have him And He says, I think you're thinking about it a bit too much. I says, well listen, see to being the safe side, can I stick your name in? Because I, I quite fancy sticking the name Malloy in. I think it's quite a funny name. <laughs> I didn't tell him that, obviously. <laughs> So uh, he said all right, so that's why he's in. But the thing is, I don't know if my dad's all right with it. <laughs> I've no told my dad. My dad, might nobody, my dad might bump into Craig Malloy and say, uh, aye, so uh, you murdered me, did you, aye? <laughs> Let us see you fucking try, son.
1: <laughs>
2: Craig might be like that ah, way, well, you ain't a fucking couldn't, you old prick. You fucking call me, you fucking heard you. Boom, boom, boom. Craig Malloy murders my dad. For real. Book sales would go like that. So fingers crossed, eh? Right, this next story, um, this is gonna be the last story before we go for the Q&A, Q&A and uh, book signing. I don't mind if you rush away to go to the toilet for your pishies and shites and all the rest of it. <laughs> But if you're going to go for a shite, this next story's going to help. It's called Your Shite Is My Shite. Hamish walked to the pub toilet and opened the door. A guy was leaving, so Hamish held the door open for him, and the guy walked past with a word of thanks. Oh, at your service, your majesty. Hamish walked into the toilet. A guy was at one of the sinks, washing his horns. He walked away from the sink, leaving the tap running. Dried his horns with a paper towel, left the paper towel, crumpled next to the sink, and then walked out the door. Hamish shook his head, turned off the tap, and put the paper towel in the bin. You didn't know why he bothered doing it. He you didn't work there. Maybe just did it to annoy himself. <laughs> the toilet was empty now, except for him. He walked to one of the urinals, then decided to go to the cubicle instead. He only needed a pish, but he didn't want to have another encounter with these animals. He didn't want to pull down his up and get started just for some guy to come in and join him. They tether him pishing side by side the other guy using the semi-private moment to get all his (laughs) farts out. Recognise that one. (laughs) So Hamish opened the cubicle door, walked inside, but then turned to walk right back out. It was fucking stinking. (laughs) You had to look in the pan. The dickhead hadn't even bothered to flush. Like it was so stinking that even the guy that caused it had to make a sharp exit. Shite was splattered everywhere like a shotgun blast. And honestly, it was fucking stinking. And that, that smell was everything that was wrong with people. That just summed it up for him. That smell, that putrid smell was humanity. <laughs> people are disgusting, he thought. Fucking disgusting. Or disgusting ways, ooze, ooze, like shite, both literally and metaphorically. To the disgust of whoever has the misfortune of being caught up in its presence. Or was it just the guy at the door that didn't say thanks? Or the one that left the tap running in the litter? It wasn't just that. It was everything. It was just everything. The things we say, the things we do, the way we treat each other. The things you read in the paper that leave you wondering, why? Why? Because we just can't help it, that's Why? Just as we can't help making the fucking stench that comes out of our assholes. <laughs> Vile creatures. So we are fucking pretending we're no, scrambling to disguise it, cover it up, waft it away, <laughs> pretend it does not happen or blame it on somebody else. And sometimes, as the case seemed to be in the literal shite here before I'm in the pan, we produce an odor so foul that no even we can bear to stay around long enough to flush the shite away. Hamish wondered what the metaphorical equivalent of being disgusted by your own shite would be. He wasn't sure if it was possible A there a shite so stinking that it disgusted even you yourself. He certainly couldn't remember such an occasion. It was an interesting thought. Why? He wondered, "Are we all right with our own shites? Yet everybody else's can get to fuck.
1: <laughs>
2: Why was that? It's not as if other people's shites smelled worse than their own. It's not as if our rain shite smelled lovely. One shite was as bad as another, on average. This shite that he was currently being disgusted by, it could have been his own, theoretically." if an experiment was carried out where he was asked to do a shite in a toilet before being administered with memory-erasing drugs, then brought back in to smell this shite that he was unaware was his in? he imagined he'd be just as disgusted by it as he was by this one in the pan right now. Conversely, If an experiment was carried out where he was brought into a toilet and told that the disgusting shite in the pan was his end without being told that the shite was actually done by another guy, (laughs) he could imagine that he'd think, well, that's all right then. It's his end shite. It isn't disgusting anymore. He'd maybe even stay in the cubicle a while to savour it. But the fact was, this shite here, this one in the pan right now, was somebody else's shite. And that made it disgusting. And he didn't like that. There was someone about that way of thinking that he didn't like. He didn't like what it signified. No, at all. That way of thinking, now that he thought about it, that was everything that was wrong with people that way of loving the smell of your ain't shite, but hating the shite of others. Not just actual, literal shite, but that other shite, the symbolic shite, the metaphorical shite, (laughs) the general shite within a person, the faults, the mistakes, the weaknesses, the shite that exists within each and every one of us. Had he himself always remembered to thank every person, that opened a door for him. Or remember to turn up every fucking tap. Or put, up, put every fucking paper towel in every fucking bin. He didn't like the way we were disgusted by the shite of others. But not so much by the shite of ourselves. Or on a larger scale. The shite of our race. Or the shite of our nation. Or of our culture or religion. Or however else you want to look at it. Our tribe. Humanity. He concluded, as he looked into the pan, <laughs> would never be as one until we could say that your shite is my shite. Why did Jesus not just say that? He could have just said that. The the shape back then in biblical days was ever a bit as honking as the shite today <laughs> and would be forevermore. It's all Jesus had to say. It's all the Bible had to say. It's all God had to say. Until your shape is my shape. Until your shape is my shape. Can we all say that together on the count of three? (laughs) One, two, three, until your shite is my shite. That's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) He looked down at the shite in the pan. It was like somebody would put a firework in a jar in the tailor. It really was. <laughs> he, got, he got down on his knees slowly. Put his horns on either side of the toilet seat. Closed his eyes. And put his head inside the pan. Then he took a long, deep sniff of the excrement within. (laughs) He was sick. (laughs) On the shite. And then he was sick again. (laughs) Which is a shame, I thought it was quite an interesting theory. But don't ask me to go in there and try having a sniff myself, fuck that man. Don't even know the guy. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you very much. Cheers. Um, that story is based on a true story. <laughs> a true shite. It was a, a shite that I smelled about two years ago. <laughs> about two years ago in a pub in Glasgow called More, Moore. Um, I went into the cubicle, there wasn't a shite in the pan, but it was, it was bad, it was really, really bad. It was, it was bad, it smelled bad in the sense that it didn't smell right. You know, it smelled rang, like there was something kind of no right with the shite, or no right with the guy that did it. Like, uh, like he was ill or dying or something like that. Like imagine if you saw the shite, it would look a bit green, or like worse, kind of yellow. And it, it didn't just smell a shite, you know, it had this sort of kink to it. Like it kind of smelled, it had this undercurrent of guts. Like, like some of the shite, I know, I know that shite comes from guts, but it was like some of the guts came out. Or It's like some of the shite wasn't ready to come out yet. Like if you saw the shite in the pan, it would be kind of like too long. Like the guy had overshat. Or something. You can imagine it would look alright, but then one end like the last bit to come at his ass, that would be a bit kind of soft or <laughs> with bubbles in it or something. I don't know. But anyway, it inspired me to write that story. Because it was so bad that I had to tell myself, just just you know, yeah, just imagine that you didn't. Just imagine it's one of yours. And uh in other words, I lost my mind in there. I went insane in order to stay sane. That's how stinking that shite was. I thought I'd let you know because that guy's out there somewhere. So, take care. Well, everybody, that's the end of the stories. So, now, it's time for the q and So... Thank you very much. So, if you've got a question, a, a, a serious question, a daft question, a question about the book, a question about Lemmy Show, a question about anything, stick up your horn and let's hear it. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Uh, you there. Hello. Hello. Any chance of a live uh, falcon hoof with uh, people from anywhere in the UK? A life Falkenough. Oh wait us. a minute! What you mean here, or actually, I make that program?
0: Yeah, make that program.
2: I'd love that. I'd love that. Well, I mean, I don't know if you actually read uh, in the paper, but um, uh, BBC Scotland knocked back a uh, Falkenough sitcom uh, spin-off. Um, h- how do you feel about that? Because this has gone out live in BBC Arts, you see, and tell uh, me, i mean, you hear that? You hear them? You can't. You know, they'll just stop paying. They'll stop paying. They'll stop paying. Um, I'd love to do. It. I'd love to. I'd love to do a sitcom. Right, that's what I wanted. But I would love even more to actually do the real thing, and raking, <laughs> raking, because people would phone in, go like, "Oh, it's just a laugh. He's not really fleecing his... It's just a giggle." But no, I'm actually fleecing you. So I'd love. I'd love to do that. The the real thing. <laughs> Aye, you, aye. Well, it was him, but seeing as you went like, me? <laughs> aye. Have you just got the same question? Oh, two, right, well, uh, uh, beardie. <laughs> uh, is there any chance of a return of Coco Jambo? Coco Jambo? You's, uh, about 1% of yous will know what I'm talking about. But on Twitter, right, I like to be a bit uh, a bastard. Well, at least I used to and I had this sort of... I changed my name on Twitter to Coco Jambo. I don't know if you know uh, Coco Jambo by Mr. President. Ya, yeah, ya, yeah, ya, yeah, Coco Jambo, yeah, yeah, ya, yeah. ayo. For some reason I changed it to that and I turned into a total bastard and I started <laughs> blocking everybody and... Uh, I, I don't know what happened there, but maybe. Just for you. Are you on Twitter? Well, you tweet us tonight, and I'll block you, right? <laughs>
0: Right. Um, we were playing Counter-Strike a few months ago, Yeah. and uh, right at the end, I shot you by accident and you banned me, so can you get <laughs> me back? <laughs>
2: <laughs> sorry, sorry, right. Aye, right.
0: Yeah, get that sorted out.
2: So, uh, what, what do you, uh, you yeah, want I'm me answer for that? Yeah, that'd be great. Well, I, I play this game called Counter-Strike. It's like Call of Duty, kind of running about shooting folk with other people online and we're all chatting and all that. And we've got these strict rules. see at the end, uh, we, we started playing it, just playing it. You don't really have a, an ending, there's no ending. So we came up with this ending. Right, see the first team to get to 10? Well, they an execution. And that team, there's an execution in the game, but we're just making it up as we go along. And that says, well, they an execution. Right, what happens is, um, see the losing team? I'll set you on fire. You've got to run through that door and then we chase you and, and stab fuck at you. <laughs> We're coming up with all these uh, these uh, execution ideas. But the thing is, today the execution, nobody's got to play the normal game. Don't start shooting each other. Wait. So see somebody who, maybe like yourself, when it gets to 10, oh, good right then, what well, fuck you, <laughs> But uh, So that's is that maybe what happened. So you'll admit, you no, I'm not a bastard, you'll admit in front of all these people <laughs> it's your info. So he's admitted it. But listen, if you come back on, I'll not ban you, right? I will not but uh, <laughs> now, I will not ban you. I'm not the admin of the server, but I will unban ban you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Anybody right up the back? I will I ban you. Hi, Louie, how's it going? All right.
0: I discovered you years ago because my mate for Whitburn Robin sent me a, a link to the birthday card.
2: Thing. Aye, aye. What the <laughs> fuck was,
0: was that? How did you have the card in the first place? How did you come up with the concept? Because it was amazing, but I still did not get it. It's the most extreme surreal fucking thing I've ever seen in my life.
2: What do you mean? I got a, got a birthday card for Blue. I'm freaking out by the way. I'm freaking out by the way. Um, if you don't know, it's one of the first wee videos I made in Stockholm Online about 2002. It's a real birthday card. Uh, and, uh, it's a lot of shit. I kind of make it up as I went along It was a birthday card that my girlfriend got for my birthday, because I was kind of into Blue <laughs> No, You know that way you're into a band But no in a serious way You know, oh I like that song But you know, like I, I, I like Blue by the way <laughs> Blue are good, did not they? Blue are good, just that kind of, oh, yes, sing along So she got us a birthday card for Blue And she was next door Working, to, uh, working in her office So I made this wee video up To, to kind of she was working late one night, and it was a Saturday, and they sort of cheer her up. It's just she cares, though. <laughs> uh, I made her a sort of funny video. So um, I don't know if, if she actually liked it, but I thought, I'm going to stick this online now. And, um, and that was it. And it's one of these videos. I just made it up as I went along with the wee remote control plugged into the, the camera. It wasn't edited. And people who like my stuff seem to like that. A lot more than uh, that stuff, uh, I knock my pan in. <laughs> to make... You know, it takes ages to film. Takes ages to write, and I'm like, for weeks I just kind of find an ending to this thing. Can it be? And I'm just making it up. But I got it for blue. I'm freaking it by the way. People are genius. So that—that's the story behind that. Or oh, the alternative story is I did get it for blue. That's a thing. That's a thing. No. Thanks. Anybody doing the front?
0: I was just wondering about your vine. Uh, how long does it take you to make each vine?
2: Six seconds. <laughs> 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 I walked straight into that one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, vine, each vine is six seconds long. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, come up with it and yeah, that yeah, sort of yeah. thing. Or do you sit down and like
0: uh, think about what you're going to do or does it just come to you? Like There's that? some
2: things where I go, oh, I'm looking forward to get. I've not done any vines for ages, really, right? But that, I had a wee kind of... Nice, sweet, golden summer of vining. When I first got a phone, it could actually vine quite well. The other one was rubbish, and I was just in tons and tons and tons of them. And and I just sort of come up with. It. I mean, like see like, like the plaster one that I did. You know, <laughs> that was based on I did have like a plasterer in where we, we just moved this a plaster in and somebody fitting radiators, not this sort of carry on And they would sort of come out with this sort of part of like, don't worry, we'll, we'll get your kitchen finished because you need your kitchen. <laughs> And I just stuck that vine up. I just recorded that stuck on people like that. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm like, I'll keep on going then. So, just sort of making up like Frosty Jacks, the Frosty Jacks vines. Um, Hey! Vine. I just found a... Fro- uh, Victoria Park's day near Vicky Park, Glasgow. And near there, somebody's left an empty bottle of Frosty Jacks cider. So I just picked it up and pretended next to the road that I was... Uh, Steaming on frosty Jacks, hey, blamblam, and, blam. oh, and things like that. Just kind of making it up, just like that. Right, what am I going to do? Just start recording, just see what happens. That's sort of, that sort of, like the best sort of things in a way that, rather than thinking about it, and you look like a pure try hand.
0: Could we, uh, we get an example of you uh, with your son beside you going? You ah. get a bit. That's
2: ah. Perfect. boy. Hey, boy. <laughs> Uh yes. Uh,
0: how long did it take you to write the book? Did you have a few stories that you just put together or did you just start from scratch and just go for it?
2: I had I had about a like a year to write it. I wasn't writing it for a year, but the book I, I got the book deal because I wrote these daft wee stories. I want to call it, like daft wee stories officially. <laughs> but I wrote these daft wee stories on Facebook and I like coming up with wee stories on my webcam and on Twitter, I would do these bedtime stories. Just sort of coming up with shite. Right? I, I know that this is shite. I didn't say that. But uh, just coming up with, thanks a lot, cheers. Just waiting for everybody else to go, like, so do we. Um, I wrote these wee stories and I stuck them on my site. and Just, just making them up. Just, just I'm going to see what happens, just writing. And then um, this uh, publisher got in touch and said, do you want to write a whole book? Room? So he gave us a year to do it. And I had about 10 or something to start with that I kind of rejigged. But um, about a year, but that was like 95, Monday to Friday. Quite a lot of sort of lying about doing nothing. And the good thing about that kind of line of work is I can say to my my girlfriend, especially now that we've got a son and I should be responsible and doing responsible things, I can lie on the couch doing nothing, watching Columbo, (laughs) and say, no, no, this isn't doing nothing. This is like, I need to do this as a writer. I need to watch stuff and do nothing and go to the pictures and do nothing constantly and never look after my son and be a crap boyfriend. I have to, in order to come up with us. So, um, I had about a, a year. I could have maybe done it in six months, but again, about a year.
1: <laughs>
2: Thanks. Uh, anybody from uh, there? Hi.
0: Where
2: did you get your inspiration for um, Jacqueline McCafferty? <laughs> <laughs> Jacqueline McCafferty. Jacqueline McCafferty is a. Is that, is that a few people? Like the, the main thing I came up with, Jacqueline McCafferty was making my World of Glasgow podcast, which came before Let Me Show and I had like Jacqueline in it. And it, it was before I made the podcast. And I was writing to my ideas for characters and things like that. And then me and my girlfriend were travelling. Then it's kind of studenty sort of around the world type of thing. And one of the places we went to was LA, and it was this wee kind of shopping centre sort of bit. It's got an outdoorsy bit with a wee fake sort of park and a wee fake sort of bridge going over a wee fake stream. Well, the bridge was actually real, wasn't it fake? Right, it was a real thing. You wouldn't fall into the river if you went over it. Or but there was a wee band playing in this bandstand, right? And, and it was about one in the afternoon, and it was this. Uh, some people were having a wee dance. And there was this woman there who looked exactly like how Jacqueline McCafferty looks. The kind of black thing and the the uh, the wee kind of, uh, what do you call that, waistcoat sort of thing. The whole lot, really, really smart. But uh, she looked like a wee bit like she'd been through the mill a bit. It was, you know, it looked like um, like she was an alky or was a junkie or something like I can say that because I was an alky. <laughs> and if you get me in a junkie, I'll just lie and say I was a junkie i know. And... But she was dancing with what I, what I assume to be her daughter, about eight years old, right? And she was dancing like that. And she was kind of looking about to people like that. When she was dancing, she wasn't really concentrating on her brain. She was looking about. And I just formed this whole sort of idea of what she was like. She looks like um, she, she had a rough time. Now she's got herself smartened up, right? I thought, she's like, she's not having it anymore. She's not taking it anymore. She wants to wear, wear smart gear. <laughs> uh, like, in trackies with sick down the front. And like Jacqueline McCaffrey, she's got a daughter back. Because the way she was looking about to everybody, it was kind of as if, you see, I'm a good mono. It was that. And I just sort of put the whole thing together. And the whole um, heroin, instead of heroin, I heard that on some documentary thing, one night, a Scottish thing. And uh, lassie did say, um, I, uh, something like uh, that, I was on it for, uh, I, that was about two years, I was on heroin. And I thought, she's saying heroin. I think she thinks that that's like the proper way. <laughs> I'm saying it in like heroines, like that slang, and heroines like the phone voice. Sort <laughs> of So that's that's where she comes from. Um Any any anybody like that? Oh, it's up here. What's down here. Uh, the person with the the blue shirt, David Dumbleby here. Person with the blue shirt.
0: um, Hello.
2: What's the sound of the summer? Sound of the summer? Um, Check out uh, Daft Punk's new (laughs) single if you get the chance. Sound of the summer. That was a quick one, wasn't it? So apart from Columbo and Daft Punk,
0: who are your kind of influences or people that you... Like to watch or read or. Um,
2: listen to. I don't. I, I mean, I really like. Um, I I don't. I don't think about a lot of influences, but I really like uh, Tim and Eric, Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Like when I mention that, there's about one percent of people. There's about ten people in the crowd that clapped over the like, Tim and who? <laughs> Tim and Eric Awesome Show, great job. It's called. In between the first and second series, uh, let me show. I watched. I, I, somebody well introduced me to that, and I started watching. It. I was like, this is brilliant. It's all really, really fast, a lot faster me show, fast editing. And it was just, uh, it was cracking. I thought, right, I'm going I'm to speed everything up for the second series and make it all mad. But influence-wise, I kind of prefer things that aren't really meant to be funny. Like, see, like some Hitchcock films or something when, like, you know, like Real Window, when he, sort of the baddie, comes in and sort of shoves him <laughs> You know, these sounds like that, wee funnings. And it all goes sort of too fast. And then the way he falls at the window, like... <laughs> Things like that all went like the guy falls in the stairs when he's stabbed in psycho, like that. <laughs> just things like that. You go, that is, that looks mad, that. And I want to make things up that maybe make other people go, ah, what the, what the fuck is that? Like that. So, kind of like that, all like real life sort of tragedies and bad things happening and uh, finding humour in other people's, I mean, misfortune and things like that. Just, Just kind of. Life, you know. <laughs> Thanks. Real bell with the, with the glasses. I was about to say specs there, but I thought, is that offensive? Of course it's not offensive. With the specs. Ooh!
0: Hi, is there any relation between Arnold from Arnold's arse and Arnold from Arnold's arse-eye?
2: The two, the two stories, Arnold's arse and Arnold's arse-eye, in the book. No, there's not the relation, but... Uh, I noticed when I was writing the book, there was I had a habit, have got a habit of doing the same sort of thing, like people getting hit by a train. I'll do another story, somebody getting hit by a train. This one, wait a minute, this is the 10th one I've wrote where somebody gets hit by a train. And Arnold's arse, I think I maybe wrote that first, and then I wrote this other story, where Arnold's arse is about a guy who discovered, goes to the hospital, he discovers he's only got this one big giant ass cheek when he home. And Arnold's arse eye, as he goes to the doctor and discovers he's got an eye up his ass that can see. And see, because the two are kind of similar, I thought, I'll play a trick on you. I'll make it look like it's kind of, no, this is like a kind of theme, but in fact, it's me being samey. And running out ideas. And only doing things about asses and then there's that shite hanging and everything. So there's that. I specialise in arse things, shite. And people getting hit by vehicles. Uh, what was the most difficult story
0: to write? What was the most challenging narrative? <laughs> oh.
2: Gary. <laughs> get me, get me, get me. Stop it, cabinet! Stop. He said, "Narrative." I hate the word narrative. Um, I can't even remember the question. I've just got this red, red mist. Most difficult. The most difficult one was this one that I didn't actually end up finishing. Um, called uh, it was called uh, VHS, and it was this. There's this story I wrote where it's a guy cycling right, and he's in the middle of nowhere. He gets a bit lost, and he's in the middle of nowhere, an and he sees this guy gone into the bushes where, like, at this kind of, into the woods with this um, bag, poly bag with something. And he's kind of looking suspicious and he goes in and he comes out a wee bit later without the poly bag. And the guy in the bike slaps, what's that? He goes past the guy and the guy's looking, oh, did you see me, kind of attitude. He waits until the guy's away and then he, the curiosity gets the better and he goes into the, the trees and everything and he sees the poly bag, it's empty. But then, in a hole under the tree, is this VHS tape. It's all been ripped to it and things like that and smashed up. they he's thinking, what's this? This guy's, like, hidden, this, he's disposed of this VHS tape. What? What's on that tape? What's so scandalous and embarrassing that he's, he's got rid of it in this fashion? He doesn't even want to burn it. He doesn't even want to bin it just in case it gets traced back to him. So this guy on the bike, he, he takes the tape, and he goes away with it. He, he scoots away. And... Uh, I got to the end, he gets the tape up the road and he has to buy a VHS player and all that and puts it all together. And I thought, this has to be something that's embarrassing. But, <laughs> is isn't that embarrassing, really? <laughs> and I got to the end and what I had in mind was he, um, he puts the tape in and it's a, a, a wedding reception, right? And the, the, the groom is shaking everybody's horns and all that. And this guy, the, who he spotted, you know, putting the tape down, goes to shake the groom's horn, but the groom doesn't see him, and he has to go like that. And, and like, that was it. So I went, nah, that's And I kept coming back to it a week later, a week no, because I was really enjoying it, and then at the end I thought, oh, fucking bin it, bin it, been it. But um, you sort of thought it was a wee bit all right, but another night I, I said it, um, Someone asked the question and they were all howling, so they liked it. Yous didn't they? But uh, I'll go. I'll go with yous. I made the right decision. I think. <laughs> so that, so that was a bit of a long answer. Sorry for boring. <laughs> fuck with you. Thanks. How we doing for time? All right. All right. Aye, magic. I have to say magic in case it looks like I'm like, how we doing for time, fucks? sake man, Could right up the back there. Hello.
1: Hello. Quite often you have fines with your son in it.
2: Uh, what does your son think you do for a job? My son, he, he does know that I'm on the telly. Well, was on the telly.
1: <laughs>
2: I don't dare let me show any more. my choice, though. But that was in the past. It was a good laugh, but... Just wish that Falcon her thing would have got commission, you know what I mean? Um, I, he's seen me doing like the Tina Turner. Dancing competition thing, and he's and he's done an impression before. He's wanted to see it, and but and he used to he'd say, "Oh, can I see that?" He knows like I'm Dee Dee. If I explain acting to him, he says, "Oh, like Dee I was like, "That's right," but I, I don't know if I've shown I've not really shown him Dee He just knows it. I'm Dee Dee, you know I've not shown him like Dee Dee fucking, because he'd end up doing that. He started school now, and I don't want him going out fucking, fucking, fucking. fucking. So he, know, he knows I did that, but he knows, like I've said to him, I've written this book and I've written all the words. D- Daniel, come back, kind of, <laughs> no interested, see babies. Um, aye, he sort of knows what I do, but he doesn't know if everybody else does that or not. <laughs> you there. That's all we've got time for. That's <laughs>
1: Two things. Do you have a regular sleeping schedule?
2: Um, once I'm finished playing Counter Strike, it's time to go to bed, okay. and that's about maybe 12 or 1 in the morning. And then I get up um, when I'm nudged uh, by my girlfriend. That that kind of thing. When it's my turn to get up with my son, or um, when I'm, you know, like get, get up, get up. That's about it. But no, I kind of no. I don't do this four in the morning thing. I can't anymore with a son.
1: Also, have you thought about putting an album out?
2: A what? Have you thought about putting out a music album? A music? What? All my kind of daft techno stuff. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> well, I, I, well, I don't know what. What you guys think of that? Oh, oh. They did that in interview things, didn't I? I mean, I don't know. What, I don't know if they, what they think Oh, well, maybe. Uh, no, no. Um, I just think, well, it's on SoundCloud, and there it is, it's all for free anyway. It's like me saying, let me take what you get for free, and you've already heard, I'll put it together and charge you for it. And it's a download, what, like, like well worth it. Did I hear there? Well, I, I could put together a kind of fake album. Yeah. Just get what I've done and stick it together. I make this, these rubbish kind of, I tried
1: so hard.
2: you what like that smart, one? Smart casual. Smart casual, Oh, that, like things like that, oi, oh, dumbbell dance, things like that. Aye, aye, maybe I'll do that in time for Christmas.
1: Good, <laughs> alright, thanks.
2: Thanks. Yes. You can shout out and I'll, uh, I'll repeat the question. If you, well, of you, you can.
0: Um, what's the most patronising thing that someone who doesn't get your humour but wants to keep in with you has said to you?
2: These... These people who don't get me. These bastards. <laughs> uh, they don't. Um, they don't get us. <laughs> um, I, I have I think heard it people may be like
1: a TV executive.
2: Well, I've I've heard people. All right. Um, I I've not really heard that like that. But I have heard patronising things like uh, I, saying saying that I've heard patronising things makes me sound like I've got a chip in my shoulder. I've no. But <laughs> I have been told things like. Um, you know, you, you know what's funny about your stuff? You, you probably wouldn't know this. You probably wouldn't under, I've been told that. You know what's funny about that sketch? You probably, you probably wouldn't have noticed this. You know, like, as if I've kind of fluked it. As if I go, ah, uh, This... This boy wonder. I, I, that's kind of... That's the sort of pattern. I, I've not heard that for years, but that's a cracker, that one. You know what's uh, what's clever about your stuff? You, you, you wouldn't know. But, because you, you're only the guy that wrote it. But, but I've noticed it because I'm a clever cookie. Um, that's about it. But maybe like, um, who's no got it. I mean, I've heard we things like, uh, maybe you should make it, male. But it's kind of like, um, I was once asked about the accent thing when I was doing uh, this meeting at the BBC between the first and second series. And they said, what do you think about the accent?" You know, I think they were maybe thinking of putting, putting it UK wide, I'm not sure. And I said, What do you think about the accent? It's just, to was showing your DVD to some of the people on the floor here, and um, well, just some of the words go over their head. What do you think of that? And I was just, uh, I'd like to tell you that I was like, Well, no, I, what, you, what you see is what you get. Come, you know, take, me, uh, take me as I am. But now I was ready to sell it right there and then. <laughs> I was like, well, why ways around it, you know. why ways around it. I don't have to be all slang. Didn't even get it anyway. Sold it. <laughs> Didn't get the, the benefit of that selling it. <laughs> That's is me. That's my penance right now. This is my confession. Uh,
0: hi, Lemmy. Um, all right. Um, I was on your webcam once and you compared me to Ramirez, the Night Stalker, the serial killer. Aye. Oh, you... Aye. I think... I, aye. aye. Is a, aye.
2: Oh, it me. That's not my question, but... Um, I, going, I thought you were going to say you blocked me. <laughs> a few people and i have been doing these things. I was on this, you blocked me. Why did you ban me in Vine? <laughs> I banned somebody in Vine?
0: Aye, sorry. Uh, no. Um, tweets, short stories, uh, sketches. You seem to be quite interested in short form... I was going to say narrative, but that guy kind of fucked it for me. But... Um, <laughs> So, are are you interested in it's doing... It's your it fault, <coughs> Barry, of getting
2: him started. Are you interested in doing any kind of longer things? Aye, like, uh, I, I want to do... I mean, after this, I would like to do a book, a kind of longer short story, sort of... <laughs> no, I'm serious! What? What did I say? I'm serious! No, you know, like these are like really wee... These are like short, short stories, like, takes you five minutes to read it, but I mean, like, kind of Stephen King-length, sort of 10,000 words, sort of bigger ones rather than sort of, there's a wee idea, there's a wee idea, a wee idea. A wee, sort of kind of bigger ones that take about a bit of time, like, that would fill a book, i like about ten stories that fill a book, you know, so I can get right in it, and then hopefully write a, write a novel, I, I'd like to do that, get right into something like that, but I want to work up to it in case I start doing a novel and go, this will be easy, and then I freak it and jump <laughs> off a, jump out a window or something like that, <laughs> or jump in front of a, a train. <laughs> We need to. Uh, oh, that's us. Aye, sorry. That, so. well, who's the guy that said, Come on, man? One male? Mm-hmm. Right, one last one, is that alright? Right, just okay. the last one, you can stay there. That's one. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Sorry. I
0: wasn't planning this, so it's just spontaneous. You're on uh, the planet, he
2: was, he's fucking <laughs> raging. <laughs> 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 right. Um, Xander. Aye.
0: We think Xander's Brian. I just wondered where the idea came
2: for that. I just wanted to explore that side of my sexuality. Basically, I, cu- I couldn't put. I wouldn't be able to put it on the, the telly because it's uh, pretty graphic, it's pornographic. But uh, I'll do it for a wee video if you want me to kind of act to it and a wee bit on the side, a wee kind of Kickstarter thing. That's that's us. I think, isn't it?
1: Yeah.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Kils. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Cheers. Thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks for coming. That oh, was brilliant.
1: Oh, thank a lot, More podcasts and videos of Edinburgh International Book Festival events are available at www.edbookfest.co.uk on iTunes and YouTube. Just search for Edbookfest.